You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. Justin! Yes, <laughs> it, it yes. Is, it's been a year! Oh my gosh, we made it. I, I, I am... I'm so grateful to have you as our audio engineer and moreover as my friend. Uh, We've had some moments this year. Uh, We've had Mm. some moments where, you know, we've gotten really real and, you know, we've gotten emotional and and we've also had some very silly moments. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but at the end of the day, it was nice because we we got to celebrate and highlight the black excellence that's um that is working on broadway but you know we've only just begun (laughs) wow that's amazing look let me just say thank you for having me on board it's been a blast so far and i can't wait to see where we go um you know it's it's it's, yeah (laughs) so with all that being said let's just hop right into it why was this podcast started? It really did start with, okay, what are we going to do for Black History Month? And from there, it was, we need to celebrate year round. It's not just about one month and doing something one time because we had done the Juneteenth event. It's like, what can we do that's ongoing that's going to really celebrate the Black folks on Broadway? And how do we highlight the careers and the that are out there that many of us don't know and not just the folks in New York and in the tri-state area but across the globe because black people really are everywhere and we are and and you know it's i didn't know about arts administration jobs and i went to school to be a teacher hmm. and I fell into this career. And so many of us kind of fall into this career without even knowing. And that's a problem because just think, I mean, granted, you know, I'm what, like in year 15 of this arts admin game, or somewhere close to 15, but I could be so much further in, you know, had I known about this as a career. But, you know, so I feel like it's my responsibility to share that there are jobs out here and that if you have a passion and a love for the arts, I mean, and even if you if you can't, you know, sing, dance, you know, or anything like that, do anything on stage, there's still a place. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's a great answer. And I mean, one of the things I've been teaching my class, my collegiate class over the past few weeks is African-Americans and how they created and used their creativity after the emancipation. 
and one of the ways that they did that after the emancipation was they were only allowed to perform blackface right and we all can perform it in blackface be black and perform blackface and we both and we all should know the history of blackface and vaudeville performance and while it was something that was very derogatory and very demeaning for our people that was like one of the only jobs that they could actually be successful in performance wise not like farming or agriculture but that you know was what they had to do and it was like a mockery of who we are as a people but now we've moved to being able to not only just act in the shows but we don't have to you know be derogatory we don't have to be demeaning to ourselves and we actually are producing the shows and we're actually you know in the background as as you said press agents everything that it takes to put on a successful show um we are there and i think it's important Mm -hmm. for like you just said people to see that because they just assume that we can just sing and dance right but there's so much more to the creative process and having you know a successful product and so and even in the age of technology you know my nephew who is five or six now will have access to seeing this podcast you know your daughter uh, being a Mm -hmm. teenager they all have access to see and hear from these people via your podcast that's how history you know continues to be upheld this is a, an important piece of history so you're absolutely spot on with all of this black excellence the stories are universal it's education right mm-hmm. yeah. and but the other part is it's good for other folks to see us in those spaces because then we start to normalize it and we start to remove those unconscious biases at biases at play. So it's like when you say director, you could think of Kenny Leon. Yeah. You know, you don't yeah. necessarily have to, you know, think of think of, a, you know, a white director. Yes. When you say producer, you could think of Brian Moreland. Yes. You know, and you don't have to think of you know a white producer so we really are starting to you know to normalize yes um seeing us in those spaces and so i i like that too that listen we i we literally just talked about that in my lecture this morning i was connecting like going back to blackface and connecting violence against african-american people uh via white mobs in the 1890s you know, I said, had the image of African-Americans during that time been portrayed a little bit differently, they would be treated differently. But because mm-hmm. the pop culture image was they are stupid, all they like is watermelon, all they like is chicken, they can't speak well, they are not eloquent. And so you put this image in pop culture and people, just like you said, have this unconscious bias like oh okay and so it just creates an atmosphere for a certain type of treatment just like objectifying uh, a woman during the rap era in like the the early you know the the mm-hmm. late 90s into the, and you know i mean the late it's 80s true. into the 90s you know mm-hmm. and one of my friends is like yeah, in 2000s yeah we you know <laughs> and one of my one of one of the students in in the class was like well um 
you know, everybody has the right to make their own decision. I said they do. I said, but they also make informed decisions by what they see and by what they hear. And mm-hmm. so you're absolutely right. Putting this on display is also a form of education. Like, yes, we are in these spaces and we can create in these spaces and we can create successfully in these spaces. In these places. Exactly. You know, so. Exactly. What are some of your favorite moments from this past year? Oh my God. Some some of my favorite moments didn't even make it to the air. <laughs> <laughs> because because the conversation often goes on after after the episode yeah or sometimes we start talking before we hit record mm-hmm. and then sometimes just because of time you know things get you know cut out so but some of my favorite moments are <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go with some of the ones that 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 have actually kind of, you know, made it to air. But I love how it's I love how candid and how heartfelt our guests all speak like they they literally speak from the heart. And you can you can tell and I can tell the moment that they get comfortable and, and and they start flowing and it's like yeah okay we're in this groove and it really starts to feel like it's just you know it's just all of us just vibing right you meet other black people right right yeah and yeah. okay so here's a classic scenario you're in a you're in a cast somebody um gets on the piano and starts playing something now you could be kojic you could be baptist you could be pentecostal you could be something else whatever southern whatever whatever now you all know the song you may not know it the same way but you all know the song then That's somebody right. makes a joke about a deacon and students all start laughing and the white folks look at you and go did you all get they they, they ask that question it's not mean but they all I go know. did you all go to the <laughs> same church go no but we all had the same experiences one of my one of my favorite moments is and it's when ray said you know do it scared my grandmother used to always say um if you can't beat fear you have to do it scared you know and had if you can't if you can't beat it and and i just carried that in my pocket all my life if you can't beat fear do it scared and I was just like, oh, my gosh. It, it's so simple. Yeah. It's so simple. But but it, it it's so resonated with me like, like no other. And one of the early, early episodes, I want to say it was like maybe episode one or two, when we were talking about not being new to theater and how you know we had easter speeches and things like that and i don't know if all of that made it in or not because it was a it ended up being a really long interview um and we had to we had to trim but when we talk about us not being new to to theater people of color or black people specifically have been Uh attending theatrical events their entire lives absolutely whether they begin whether they begin in the church with a church performance or they go to their local community center mm-hmm. or whatever local um, community event might be, it is a theatrical event. If they go to a concert, it is a theatrical event. They may not have come to Broadway just yet, but it's they are already in the theatrical setting, which is a part of our audience. 
and I think that that episode was uh, with Brian Moreland and Aletha Stevens when we talk about not being new to theater. And then we had that same conversation again with uh, with BTC. And it was, again, we're not new. I think Nick said, even if you flip on the light switch, <laughs> you've done lighting design. You did it on your cue. I mean, obviously, there's more to it. Right. But I was just like, yes, we are not new. My work and my career has been about uh, platforming myself so that I can have those conversations. And now sharing that knowledge with others to be like, don't diminish the work that you've done. Don't diminish that play you did in Kern mm-hmm. Garden. Don't That's diminish right. that show that you did when you were um, at the church because, yes, you were the lighting designer. Mm-hmm. Just because it was the past being like, hey, go flip that switch on this word. That's lighting design. Uh-huh. That's right. Um, <laughs> you need to put it, now, now, there are more pieces involved. Like, it gets more complex as you go on. But I'm like, don't diminish the things that you have done because that is how they keep us down. That's how they keep us out of spaces is by mm-hmm. saying we don't actually have experience there and it's like well i haven't been given the chance to get the experience Mm -hmm. that you're seeking but Mm -hmm. here's what i have done and that training Mm -hmm. counts as well and another moment is with james monroe igohart that conversation went i think it i think after we trimmed it it ended up being like an hour but yeah i kid you not that conversation was probably almost 90 minutes because we started talking and we were talking about how when we all see each other as black folks yeah and we get together and we just have this universal understanding. Yeah. And then we start talking about church. Yeah. I don't even know if all of that stuff made it in or not, but it just, we just went there and about how, you know, your church clothes, your good clothes. And we talked about um, how we pass generational things, how we pass things down. Yeah. Um, and for fear of not wanting our children to suffer the same way we did or I'm going to I'm going to get you before the world gets you type of mentality and how we as a people have started to kind of shift that and change that. And think about what it was like when you were a kid. Right. Right. You know, think about that church person that said that mean thing to you that you still mm-hmm. remember mm-hmm. that is still inside you that you wish you could have said something. But your mama told you you couldn't because you wasn't old enough. And now mm-hmm. don't treat th- don't treat kids like that because they may have the same scars you do. Exactly. So I've always tried to grow up and not old. Yeah. You know, we were talking about getting spankings and everything. I mean, <laughs> we were all off, but <laughs> but it was such it was such an amazing moment. And you know, and even recently, when Jenny said, um, and I don't know, and again, I don't know if this was after the recording or during the recording, but. When we were t- when we were talking and she was just like, she's mindful of the words she uses in mixed company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially for me, my, my boundary is black women and black mothers. As much as some people may drive me up the wall, there's a certain limit. I limit what I allow to come out of my mouth about, mm-hmm. you know, our mm-hmm. counterparts. And it's especially in mixed company. Yes. That's a big thing for me. Like we in mixed company. I don't know your intentions. I don't know your perspective. I don't know your views, but I sure as hell, no matter how much this person may drive me up a wall, I'm not going to come together with you and exchange, you know, upsets and exasperations. And it's so true. Yes. 
It's so true because you never know. You never know. When someone's going to use that and weaponize it. And we are we are stronger together. Mm-hmm. And not just like, you know, black folks, but us black and brown folks. We're stronger together. And I feel like sometimes we get pitted against each other and it's like, oh, well, what about this? And what about that? What about, and it's like, no, dude, we are all in this same boat together. All in it together. Our boats may look different, but we all in the same storm. How about that? Mm-hmm. That's it. We're all in the same storm. You know, some boats may look a little bit better and be a little bit more sturdier than others, but we're all weathering the, the lack of equity we're all weathering the microaggressions the unconscious biases the lack of representation yeah we're all going through that together and we're stronger i think together and because we have each other but brian said something also and he said something about brian and rashad actually said said very similar things about not discounting you know those white allies right right i want to just encourage everyone to yes find your community and god willing you'll find a few people in that community that look like you but if they don't don't be afraid to have allies there to support you and recognizing that you know there are there we do have white allies and there are some individuals who are helping to to look out for us because let's be clear we don't historically we don't we don't own those space we haven't owned those spaces so no, someone had to let us in yeah so yeah those are those are some of my so what about you I mean <laughs> you're you're on you're there too I mean you know what about you and obviously when you know you joined us that was that's one of the best best moments <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know, I think it's like you said, the the conversations that happen either before or after. And really, for me, a lot of my favorite moments are just to see the joy that is in the room. Whenever I'm at my lowest or I text WTF. <laughs> <laughs> It's you like, like sister friends unite. <laughs> They're like, all right, activate. It's like the assemble. Exactly, Avengers. Exactly. Assemble. Let's do this. Exactly. Diversity warriors. Yes. <laughs> Seeing the joy across all persons who are on the call, and even for those persons that you don't know personally, we're all connected. You know, we're all connected, and so to see that connection happened right away. It's not, you know, from what I see, it's not Janine, the chief diversity officer, and Jenny, the actress, you know, Mm -hmm. on Broadway. It's just two sisters just talking. Or when you have Mm -hmm. a male guest on, it's brothers or cousin, and it's just like, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, kinfolk, you know, and it's uh, that, that does good for me to be able to see that because in those types of relationships and connections I can just see that amongst us now this is not always but amongst us there can be and there always is the potential to be a great sense of safety 
and yes that's needed you know i always feel like we as african americans don't necessarily have a safe place to lay our head you know to really mm-hmm, feel mm-hmm. that you know where yeah. we can just that exhale. exhale yeah go ahead whitney <laughs> But, you know, I see that with a lot of the guests in the guests, like you said, like I said, that you may not even have a personal relationship with when you when you start talking and you start connecting like that, all of those airs, all of that anxiety, whatever you face, it just goes away. And so seeing those seeing that happen on the podcast is like some of my favorite moments because it just it just, you know, community is there and community for us is important. You know, to be a people that have always been like historically pitted against each other or taken away from our sense of community. Having that is extremely, extremely important. So that's another thing I really want to say. When you have these connections or you don't just have you you have to. It's like a it's like a plant. You nourish Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Call them, say, how are they doing? And another thing I never told I don't we don't get a chance to talk to each other because we're all um I, I I love that fact you and listening like you have three people that all you young ladies are working together, you know, yeah. because people have to know that you you cannot yeah. do it alone. Correct. You cannot Absolutely. do it alone. And you don't have to. Yeah. That's what you say. I need, you know, if I need something, I need something because people will help you. And so those those are some of my greatest moments. And then, you know, that's when the magic happens. That's when the conversation is free flowing. There's a lot of joy. There's a lot of whatever, you know, it's just it's just great. Yeah. It's just great. Yeah. The the laughter and the Yeah. <laughs> it's it's it it and just some of like the, the words that we use. Mm-hmm. It's like we get it. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and we, and and we didn't grow up in the same era, or you know, in the same area or era. And and yet, there's like you said, that community, that that understanding that we just have. Yeah. You know, and that whole there can only be just one. You exactly. Know, it's kind of thrown to the side, and and that's good. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com easy. Ramp.com easy. R-A-M-P dot easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So as we round out this conversation, uh, what are you looking forward to in year two? Jeez. You know, there are so many areas that we have yet to explore that I can't wait to explore. If I had, if I had one wish, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't even like a career thing, but if I had one wish, I would I would have the EGOT winner, Viola Davis. <laughs> Viola's <laughs> on people. The podcast. I hope you all are listening. Oh my gosh. Listen. When she won, although I couldn't see it because it wasn't televised, I, I watched, you know, the YouTube thing of mm-hmm. hearing her. And it's funny, as soon as her book came out, I I downloaded it. I, lis- I listened to it on the train coming and going. And, and then it got beyond listening to it on the train. I was just at home listening to it because it is so freaking good. Oh, my God. Okay. I was like, oh, she's I was like, oh, she's going to Grammy. Yeah, she's getting a Grammy, and I told everyone that. So then, when she got it, I was like, "See, I told you." You prophesied that. I prophesied it. I knew <laughs> she was getting it. Yeah, knew it. I mean, it it is, and if you have not, you got to. But her story, and oh, oh my gosh! But her story reminds me. She was born on a plantation. Mm. Viola was born on a plantation. Wow. And she ain't, and and my mama older than her. And that's something. So we are not so far removed. And, and she explores the complex relationship that we have with this country, within ourselves as a people, and within this industry, because she, I mean, hello. Yeah. King Headley. I mean, like, yeah. hello, you know, yes. fences, everything, right? Right. Um, and she explores all all these all these things, and I, I mean, I remember listening, and I I bawled. I was like, there were moments in the book that I that I'm crying, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, because I think so many of us have stories similar maybe not exactly like Viola's but similar to Viola's story and especially as we navigate in these spaces in this yeah. industry I mean even Billy Porter's story for that matter I mean but yeah I mean I guess I'd love to have Billy Porter too but uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh say yes. it out loud <laughs> oh. Say it out but, loud. But yes, but yes. I mean, just, but, you know, I digress. I mean, when I, looking forward, I would love to see, I, I, I want, I want to see some of, some more of our living legends like Irene and, and Donna and I, and, and Colleen. And I want to see some of our new and upcoming, some of our young people, the young people like Walter Russell the third and some of those other ones who are up and coming uh, Walter just won a Grammy at the Met Opera. Fire showed up in our bones. Um, uh, so yeah, it would just some of the younger ones, the up and coming um, individuals, some of those people who just graduated from college who are trying to find their way. Um, that would be great. And then some of our living legends, like Viola, yeah, Leslie Uggams. You know, the list goes on. Loretta Devine. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just LaShawn's, you know. <laughs> there are two people I want to hear you have a conversation with. One is uh, Madam Felicia Rashad. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, of course. Yes. would love to hear you talk to Felicia Rashad. 
and Cheryl Lee Ralph. I think oh, those would yes. be great conversations. So, oh, and how could I forget my idol? Like the reason I even got started in the arts, Debbie freaking Allen. There you go. Maybe we can have a sisters episode and have Felicia and Debbie on at the same time. She is literally. I, I was a toddler, toddler, and mm-hmm. obviously I don't really recall this. This is my mother speaking through me. I saw fame. Okay. I wanted to dance. And then growing up, I watched Fame and like, I have Debbie, I have, I have one, two, I have like four different things of Debbie Allen that I had to like buy. And I hope it really is her signature because it says it was authenticated, but you know, anyway, Um, (laughs) in my, in my house, yeah, (laughs) because I love her so, and that is how I got started dancing and through dance is how I fell into this career. And so I really do owe it all. I owe it to her, so. Well, and she, she's it. everything director choreographer you name it producer mm-hmm. dancer yeah i mean come on all that black excellence all that black excellence and my daughter loves felicia rashad we saw her walking with uh lady irene gandy at the mm. tony's i mean i love felicia rashad too don't get me wrong oh yeah uh, but we saw her walking and she walked by us and my daughter was like oh my god i want to be like her when i grow up she is so elegant and mm. i was like there's a 12 year old talking well was she 13 13 year old talking mm. and she could just see it you know she grew up on a cosby show she's just looking at this woman's stance and her presence and the way she speaks i was like yes yeah baby be like her yeah yeah be like her <laughs> be like her yeah be like her. Oh. that's beautiful that's beautiful um it's been a been a great year this is great um, what are you, well what are you so you know Based off of everything that we've we've done this year and going into year two, and you know how we always ask our guests, you know, what one piece of advice, what piece of advice that was given, if any, kind of like struck you? Uh, it goes back to Ray Mercer and mm. really just doing it scared, you know? Yeah. Just, just. I don't want to use the Nike phrasing, but really you just mm-hmm. have to do it. Like you won't know until you do it. And then when you do know after doing it, then make the decision, but don't let fear stop you from doing. And you said something too about trailblazing. One of my friends said to me what I'm doing. And she was speaking to me. She said, what you are doing she said trailblazing is it's harsh it's confusing and it's scary because you literally are walking where no other person has walked you Mm -hmm. are creating the trail so you don't have nothing to go off of Mm -hmm. so you're literally creating the trail and she said you won't know how well you did until you've reached a point where you don't have to walk anymore and you can turn around and see who is behind you mm. and then you'll know then I you'll love know. it then you'll know I love it yes yes I want to thank our guests and you our listeners you could have been doing anything else but you chose to spend your time with me and I am grateful be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm slash bbb 
so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.